Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello everyone, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today my guest is Vanessa Copps. She is the owner of Bella Media and Company based in New York. How are you doing today, Vanessa? I'm great, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much for agreeing to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey. I appreciate you taking the time to share with us today. It's my absolute pleasure. And how's your day going so far? Um, it's, it's a weird kind of day. It's like a gloomy day here. Um, mm-hmm. but it's gloomy weather wise, but happy because it's my little guy's birthday. So ah, it's a, it's a great day. Well, happy birthday day. to him. Thank you. So Vanessa, you are the owner of Bella Media and Company. You're the editor in chief of Bella Magazine. You're the host of a Facebook watch TV show called Life is Bella. You host a podcast called Real Talk Bella. You're the co-founder of Entrepreneurial <laughs> Think Tank and the ETT Women Foundation. You're an, on, on an advisory committee for women of color and philanthropy. You're an author and last but certainly not least, a mother. That is one hell of a resume. I have to ask, how on earth do you have the time to fit all that in? <laughs> Um, great question. Uh, I've always been of the mindset, you know, you can, I guess when I was growing up, I believed that you could have it all right. You could always have it all after motherhood, uh, through in its wrenches, I realized that yes, you could have it all. You just can't have it all at once. Mm-hmm. So I am, um, you know, there was a buzzy word that was floating around the, the webosphere for a while that said, you know, you're a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I, I believe that I'm just a woman who is um, in pursuit of happiness and mm-hmm. doing work that I am, am passionate about and that I am, uh, that brings joy to not just myself, but, you know, the, to the people around me. So mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, to be able to do all of this, I have to rely on other people. It, it you know, it would be, uh, I would be an egomaniac to tell you that, I, oh yes, I, I've got this, <laughs> I've got this down to a T, which is a complete lie. Yeah. Um, you know, I have an incredible husband who is uh, very supportive of not just the work that I do, but also of uh, my family. You know, he is uh-huh. like an engaged parent. So we share the responsibilities there. Uh-huh. And I have an amazing team within the Bella community. You know, I, I I like to think that I delegate very well and there therefore it's a well well oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And with regards to ETT women, you know, I have a business partner on that end and she picks up, you know, her her part of the of the slack. And it, quite frankly, it's you know, it's shared responsibility. And I think that we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge, you know, like I know what my my strengths are. I'm 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 a very creative person. I always say, you know, I'm the fire starter. 
and yeah. then I walk away. Uh, <laughs> and then I just look for the people who can finish the task because yeah. I'm not the best at that. And I recognize that, you know, many years ago, especially as an entrepreneur, you need to really understand where your strengths lie and where your weaknesses are and then find people who can support you in your weaknesses so that everything else kind of just doesn't fall off right. the plate. So that's how I do that, Brad. It, it, it takes a village, right? <laughs> it, it does take a village. You know, I delegate. Um, and I think that, again, I, I always like to stress this point because, um with entrepreneurship comes the fact that you've created your baby, you know, it's like you're birthing a child yes. also. Your business is like birthing a child. Yeah. But the reality is that you, you know, you didn't do that by yourself. That's you know right. that there are other people that you counted on, relied on, begged, begged, right? I remember yes. begging. <laughs> uh, I still beg a lot for um, where I ask for favors or I, you know, collaborate or I do. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of shared, shared responsibility. It definitely is quite a village and i'm so grateful that uh i can call on you know the people who belong to it and know that they will uh be there to support me yeah for sure what does yeah. your average day look like then vanessa can you break that down for us so every day is definitely not the same you right. know i can't tell you that from monday through friday i have this set schedule what is the same is typically my morning rituals that's something that i don't bargain with just because they are a necessary uh source for my mental health um i am a depression sufferer have been for many years uh -huh. and i have to i have to do some sort of physical activity in the morning whether it's walking for a few minutes or meditation or yoga um but every morning starts out with my cup of coffee where I, um, you know, meditate, pray over coffee, and then I go into whether it's yoga, my Peloton or the <laughs> treadmill, something has to happen. Yeah. Um, and then I do make it a point, you know, I am lucky enough that I am able to be home with my children. I think those morning moments, those minutes that I get with them in the morning are like super magical and I do mm -hmm. spend it with them. Um, and then I head out to my office, whether it's the it's New York or New Jersey. Uh, you know, I, I try to take turns so that they both get the attention that uh, they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you have the ability to really make your day what it needs to look like, not opposed to what it has to look like. Right. Um, and I can, kind you know, fill in the gaps and then I can have, you know, my I can rely on my team to be where I can't be. Um, and, but that's pretty much it. I am notorious for having like really hard boundaries around my weekends um, because that's just, I guess you repeat behaviors from that, you know, that you grew up with, you know, my, my parents, regardless of the fact that they worked um, many hours, both of them in, in other people's businesses, uh, weekends were sacred. Like we spent them as yeah. a family. Yeah. So I try to do the same. Uh, it's not to say that I don't go to bed early, you know, later and wake up earlier than my family does on weekends if I need to check something or do something for work. Uh, but I try to not engage in anything that has to do with work activities on the weekend. And, you know, because I do work very hard from Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers yeah, yeah. Kind of vaguely your question, <laughs> because um, the reality is that, you know, a day looks like what a life looks like. You know, yeah. I 
I, I am not of the school that you can separate your personal from your professional. I feel like your professional is meant to feed your personal. Yeah. Um, that's why it's, you know, I came up with a theory many years ago. It's like the 360 lifestyle where one thing is codependent on the other, you know, because if you're saying yes to something that is work related, you're saying no to multiple things that affect your personal life. So yes. you have to understand that it's a symbiotic relationship and there is no separation. And I think the sooner that we do understand that, the the happier ultimately we will be, because then we I... will begin to see, to look at work with more joy and more passion than, um, you know, like that grunt work, like, oh, I got to get this done. So yeah. I, I agree with that. But I think <laughs> yeah. the first part of that is finding what makes you happy. Oh, 100%. Doing that, right? Because you think yes. of all the people that are stuck in jobs that they go to yeah. that they absolutely hate. So that's that's mm-hmm. the first part, piece of that puzzle. So 100%. you went to school for teaching. You started out your yes. career as a teacher. What inspired mm-hmm. you to become a teacher? So I am known for um, having, I guess a saucy attitude. (laughs) Um, And the reality is that that just comes from just having a voice. You know, it it took many years for me to get to a place where I was comfortable with just speaking up and calling something out that I didn't feel was serving me. Uh So, so backtrack, my first career was actually design. I went to school for, um, it was, and the the really cool part of my my first career, because I was literally nine courses away from graduating from design, uh, was that it involved all aspects of um, creativity. So I took mm-hmm. filmography, I took videography, I took direction, I took uh, painting, photography, like any, wow. I know I am capable of doing all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So... I was supposed to hand in a project for one of my design teachers. And um, according to her, it wasn't up to par. It wasn't up to her standards. Okay. And I remember how she made me feel. I remember that she belittled my work, um, basically made me feel like I was stupid because Mm -hmm. that's literally just how I felt. And that day... I vowed that if I were ever to be in a position where I am teaching someone something, I would never make them feel the way she made me feel. Right. So in a way, it just took me in a completely different direction than I thought uh, my life was headed, right? I had Mm -hmm. many visions of, you know, being a creative uh, force, which I, you know, which obviously is what I stepped into, uh, after the fact, but, um, teaching was comfortable because then I went back, I had been offered a teaching job. So, uh, and then I'm, I'm, I'm notorious for if I'm doing something, I want to be the best at that. So I had to go back to school Mm -hmm. and it was just a matter of me just continuing to improve myself. And, and, and I said, you know, if I am going to do this, I'm going to get, um, the certifications and the knowledge that I actually need to do this well. And, um, and I did, I did that. I finished, you know, with a 3.9 grade average, uh, graduated 
um, in education and with a postgraduate course in human development. So the psych, you know, a lot of people tell me like, you, you should have been a shrink. And I'm like, well, I got <laughs> the psychology down. I took it, <laughs> took it long enough in, in college to kind of be there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, dealing with children and means that you have to uh, learn how to deal with human behavior and understand where things come from and why they happen. So I was grateful that I had that submersive experience mm-hmm. um, and I did it for almost 17 years. So, wow. um, yeah, I, I, I loved teach because I taught from first grade to high school. Okay. I absolutely loved teaching my high schoolers. Um, because they just, they had as much of a saucy attitude as I did. And (laughs) it was, it was fascinating the conversations that, um, that we had. And it was just interesting to see, you know, the things that I used to do in high school, these kids trying to do them to me. And it was like, dude, (laughs) no, (laughs) that's not not going to fly. Like, let let me tell you what you should have done. You know, I was like, had had you come at me this way, you probably would have gotten away with that. Yeah. So that was, um, and, and, you know, and I taught high school at a very young age. I was in my early 20s. So mm-hmm. these kids saw me as their friend, but I was yeah. also very stern and very strict. Um, and many, stern and very strict to the point where I thought they hated my guts and just how life would have it. Many of them, um, even, you know, last week have reached out to me after, you know, they, they're now married with children mm-hmm. and have said to me, of course, making me feel like, you know, older than dirt, but you know, um, it's really fascinating just to see the anecdotes, what they come back with. And they say, you know, you used to always say this and this and this. And now that I, you know, now that I'm a mom, I get it. And I understand it because that's typically how it is, right? Like what we tell our children, you're not going to get it now, but wait till you have your own. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's 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 amazing though, that they, that they're reaching out and you're, and still connected with you. That's pretty cool. I guess I wasn't that bad. (laughs) No, apparently not for them to reach out to you. No, definitely not. Yeah. And, and what has been fascinating about the teaching part is that honestly, it just set the, the, the basis for a lot of the work that I'm doing now, because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, this is all very psychology based, emotional based, um, you know, writing and the creative work and trying and marketing is really, you know, you've, you have to follow human behavior and Mm -hmm. understand why people, act the way that they do, why people buy what they do. So um, if you don't understand that, then you're not doing your due diligence for your, for your brand, for your company. Right. Yeah. Now you also were talking about design and you worked in the fashion world. You, you created Mm -hmm. your own line of costume jewelry, which actually ended up being featured in the pages of Bella magazine. Can you tell us a bit about your journey in the fashion world and how that led to the launch of your costume jewelry line? So there's a, there's a little bit of drama <laughs> in that there, but then what good story is it, right? It doesn't have a little drama in mm-hmm, it. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality of it is that I have always been passionate about shoes. I ended up working, um, I was literally in uh, the shopping center applying for one job and I was so I guess, put together and had really fabulous shoes on that an Aldo executive saw me as I'm walking out of one store and saw me walking by his store. Mm-hmm. Um, he happened to have to be there that day. And I had an additional resume in my hand. So he came out of the store 
um, and said to me, he's like, are you here, you know, uh, looking for, cause I obviously looked like I was looking for work. So, and I said, you know, coincidentally, yes, I am. He's like, well, we're hiring. Would you be interested in working for one of the, you know, biggest shoe stores in the United States and, and potentially, I mean, back then, um, Aldo, who doesn't know what, who Aldo yeah, shoes is. Huge. So I was just taken aback. Uh, but at that same time, you know, it's like, Oh, my mom used to always tell me, don't leave your house looking like a slob. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I just remember just being very, you know, put together and well-dressed. So I could see where he would take my fashion sense and sense into consideration for a, a position that obviously has to do with fashion. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got my foot in the door into the world. And there's a lot, I have to say, um, you know, shout out to Aldo Shoes and their company culture. I learned so much um, through their training, through their capacity, you know, just the, all that they do um, for their employees to just be fully uh, equipped to uh, respond, to understand why shoes work a certain way, which for a shoe lover, you just like the style, right? Yeah. But then to really kind of understand the the psychographics behind um, why that shoe is made the way that it is and, and who is it made for. So that's where I got my start into branding because I had to understand, well, this heel works for you know, a working woman, it doesn't necessarily work for a stay at home mom. So, um, and I was there for about two years. And then, um, once I had, I got, I had my first child, uh, I could no longer maintain both lifestyles, right? Like I had Mm -hmm. to kind of pick and choose my battles. So after I had my first son, I went into a bout of postpartum depression and, one morning I just woke up with this idea that I had to do something creatively so that I wouldn't really just go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to create jewelry. So that's how that came about. So uh-huh. I used my knowledge that I had gained from branding and marketing and um, just working with people in the fa- and connections that I had um, from working with Aldo to then launch what was a really successful, I mean, it still is, um, a successful jewelry line and it got into the hands of like several celebrities and I was able to market myself really well when I did it myself. Then it got to be a lot because at the same time I had launched my own blog where I was utilizing it to kind of just (laughs) vent to the (laughs) vent to the world. Um, Do I want to be a mother? I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. I love him. I love him. I know I can't return him, but I wasn't, it was never about my son. It was always about how inadequate I felt Mm -hmm. to be, you know, I was so, um, I guess this whole guilt trip of, oh my God, I'm so lucky to have this. And I don't know what to do with this gift right now. Like, am I going to be able to keep this child alive? That was my biggest fear, um, was keeping him alive and keeping him, you know, um, the least traumatized (laughs) That's right. possible. Um, because I think no one really tells you how um, you know, the the amount of uh of work that goes into parenting. You know, no. there's only so I mean you you saw it growing up, but you obviously you're like, ah, that's my mom and dad. Who yeah, cares? that's right. That's um right. and it really isn't until you experience it that it really does um, you know, a number on you. So 
that's how that happened. And incredibly, the jewelry line really opened up doors. It's how I connected to the magazine. Um, the former owner was attracted to my jewelry line. Mm-hmm. We became friendly. I then began contributing to the magazine, ended up being, because I was, you know, had experience by launching my own blog with the digital aspects of uh, an online publication, I became the digital marketing director, then the social media strategy. So it was, I was, you know, I was in it until they decided to sell almost two years ago. And then it was just an, a knee jerk opportunity reaction yeah. uh, to buy it from them. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. your, your costume jewelry line is still up and, and you're still doing that as well. It's more custom, uh, like it's literally more cu- custom. So I have people that will call me and ask me for specific okay. pieces Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually deferred that back to, um, a couple of girls that I have working for me back where I'm originally from, which is the Dominican Republic. Okay. And when those requests come in, because I always source from the DR, mm-hmm. I always use gemstones that I got there. That's what made the jewelry like unique and special. Right. It wasn't something that you were just going to find anywhere. It was literally, I would take trips, go get the stones, bring them back and make whatever it is that you know, the customer wanted, but yes, that's how it's still kind of operating okay. is on a custom order by order basis. Yes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your story and your history is obviously quite intertwined with Bella magazine. Then, <laughs> I mean, yes. how, how long did you work there before you ended up buying Bella media and company? Um, so unofficially almost nine years, officially okay. seven. Cause it was, okay. I contributed occasionally. And then I formally was like hired for a position, uh, seven years, uh, seven years ago. So right. yeah, I mean, a big part of I mean, the magazine is officially 10 years old as of January of this year. Wow. So ever since inception, I had been a part of the publication. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about Bella Media and Company? Is this the umbrella company for Bella Magazine and everything else that falls under that? That is, eh? Okay. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yes. So Bella Media and Company is a multimedia company. So Uh we not just only publish uh, Bella Magazine, uh, which is both print and online. We publish Bella Latina Magazine, which is the Spanish version of Bella. And then we also do digital marketing, branding, videography, events, PR, uh, social media, anything that it ha- has to do with um, creating a brand um, is what we do. Okay. And Bella Magazine is a lifestyle publication, uh, which, you know, is all about beauty, fashion, travel, cuisine, philanthropy, and it's meant to serve men and women uh, on mind, you know, wellness, uh, where to go, where to shop, what to do, what, what you actually need without breaking the bank. And if you want to splurge a little, we have that too. So yeah. (laughs) Do you you write for the magazine still, or are you just the editor in chief now? Do you do any writing for it? So I, um, writing will always be my, my passion. Um, it's, it's literally what I've done ever since I put a pen to my first diary. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, in every issue, you will find, uh, something written by me. Some, some articles go a little bit more in depth. Uh, some, when I do have the time to dedicate, you know, uh, to a more, you know, deeper level conversation or story right. that I'm, I'm, I want to tell. Um, but yes, there's always something, um, 
from me in each issue. However, each issue is not about me. It's about, you know, the people who are being featured. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been very conscious about who we feature on our covers uh, Mm -hmm. as of late, especially from since taking over um, because the, the publication needed a lot more uh, diversity. And mm-hmm. I know that that's a very buzzy word right now. Yeah. However, um, it really needed to be uh, a publication where the regular day-to-day woman or man could pick it up and potentially see themselves, you know, in one of the pages. So right. it was, it was a very conscious decision for that, even the stock images, when whenever they were needed, we portrayed ordinary, you know, attainable, like it was all very conscious. It was uh-huh. not about just portraying, you know, high fashion. Yeah. Um, it was, there had to be an intention, a reason, a purpose behind why that ad is represented with this person. So right. that's what we've done. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. Very, very Absolutely. proud of that. And so you should be. So is yeah. the is the magazine released monthly? We are bi-monthly. Bi-monthly. Okay. So we 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 print six issues per year. Okay. Uh, however, our online content is fresh and new on a daily basis. We update okay. and we we publish new articles because there's obviously only so much that we are able to publish in the article in the right. in the magazine itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also so many tremendous and fabulous people that you know we would we want to feature and highlight and share. So we do that online. Okay. Now, where can people pick up the magazine in in the online space and in like the the physical copies? Where can people get in the physical copies uh, right now due to COVID? We are simply um, pushing them out through our offices. So if you were to show up to our New York, uh, you know, office, you could get get it there or and you could also get it in our New Jersey address. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of people have just opted for um, either subscribing or buying them directly online. Uh, I mean, our subscri- our subscription rate has gone up, uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, tremendously through COVID because nobody really wanted, especially, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, nobody wanted to leave home. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see just that shift mm-hmm. that we didn't really need to be in a bookstore that people would still purchase it online as long as they could get it home. So, yeah. Okay. Now you have stated that the media has a responsibility with regards to messaging and how that's communicated to young women in particular. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big responsibility to shoulder. And I would think that not a lot of publications are so concerned about or worry about their messaging towards young women. I mean, in a time where a lot of companies are focused on selling magazines, the numbers are not so much, the numbers and not so much the messaging. Why have you decided to focus your energy and business on helping to empower young women through your messaging? And why is this so personally important to you? There is, um, there's so much here, Brad, uh, (laughs) because yeah, I mean it, because here's what it comes down to, obviously from, you know, if I were to speak to you from a business standpoint, I would tell you, yes, like our focus should be on selling ads and Uh selling publications and making sure that we're selling and fulfilling, um, you know, numbers and sales goals and quarterly rates and whatever that may look like. However, I remember being 12, 13 and collecting 
uh, specific publications just because I loved to read magazines. Magazines have just been a part of like my life, my mm-hmm. entire life. Yeah. Um, but I also remember how looking at those pictures made me feel. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I was not the only person on that boat. And um, I think the mother in me, number one, the teacher, the aunt in me, I have yeah. 12 nieces. Wow. And I have a, just a conscious sense of responsibility that what we put out at the end of the day comes down to the decisions that I make. Because as the editor-in-chief, I'm the one who says yes or no, right? So... I can't, couldn't sleep at night mm-hmm. if I'm telling girls to go change who they are, right. uh, what they look like, to not just feel better about themselves, but be, to be accepted. I, that's just a full-blown lie. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And um, the expectation that that's what everybody does, so therefore we should be doing it too. Um, like I told you before, I have a very saucy attitude. I've always... <laughs> believed that you know um I've always believed that I just had a responsibility to be a voice for women who were unheard as I am myself a survivor of sexual assault Mm -hmm. I am a survivor of domestic violence I am a depression sufferer I am a woman who is simply just trying to do her very best and help as many people as they can, as, as she can along the way. Yeah. And I could not consciously continue to put content out. There's already so much of that. There's exactly. already so many other publications telling you how many pounds you should need, you know, you need to yeah. lose in one week to look your, like, I we're like, you want to, if that's the messaging you want to hear, I'm sure you'll find it. However, yeah. if you want to, read substance, hear from people who have truly lived out an experience an experience, and are showing you that, you know, you're not what happened to you and you can get through this and get over it and overcome it by, by doing X, Y, Z, then, you know, we will be the outlet for you. At the end of the day, we're here to be of service. And I always say, you know, who, who said that fashion and beauty um, articles can't be an agent of, of change. Guess yeah, what? Everybody true. seeks them out and are, and they're paying attention. So we need to make a conscious effort. And it, and the, the beauty of this is that it isn't as hard as people make it out to be. It's not, you know, in the beginning, people are like, well, nobody wants to read that. Guess what? I, you know, I disagree because yeah. people do um, even more so through the pandemic. I think the pandemic really cemented the direction of where I wanted to continue to take Bella um, because right when it was happening and um, I, I told my, all of my, you know, my, my team and my editors, I said to them, I said, we can't write about lipsticks right now. People are dying left and right. right. Um, this is not the moment to highlight what shoes to wear. Yeah. This is a moment to highlight the people who are literally saving our lives right now. And um, we did, we came out with a, it was called uh, our beauty issue last year was called the, the call of duty. Um, and, you know, I was in the boat where, cause my husband is an essential worker. Mm-hmm. He was going home, you know, leaving the house every day. Yeah. And my kids and I were sitting there praying, Lord, of let course. him not get COVID, you yeah. know, let him come home to us tonight, you know? Yeah. And I know that I was not the only person on that boat. So 
once things became a little bit lighter, then we began to shift the conversation. Again, mm-hmm. it goes back to understanding psychographics and the psychology and, and how you are responding to a situation that is literally affecting the entire world. Yeah. How do you find your voice within all of this noise? Um, and that's what I have continued to do is, you know, what is the end goal of this article? What is the big picture? How is this connected to our mission and our values at the core? You know, it's just, I, I, this, this role of being the editor in chief of Mm -hmm. a publication, um, comes with a great deal of responsibility. And, um, and I can't stress enough the fact that, you know, I am the person who ultimately says yes or no. And, you know, it sometimes, and I'm not going to say that I've gotten it right 100% of the time, but 99.9 of the people that we have highlighted and featured um, have so much more than just their celebrity status to share with the world. Mm And that has always been a conscious decision. And I hope that answers the question because there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, at the end of the day, it can sound fluffy. It can sound cliche, but the work that is connected to myself, my family, my Mm -hmm. team is one that I would hope is represented with a lot of pride, you know, that people take, because I feel like my team is very proud of what we put out yeah. and therefore that makes me even prouder because it's all a conscious decision for sure to highlight people in their best light possible. You know, we're not a gossip uh, publication. We, mm-hmm. we don't care how many times you've been divorced. Like it, that, we, that's yeah. not the conversation we're having. We're having, yeah. how did you overcome you know, this difficulty, what would you say to someone who is going through this situation? What could you tell them right now? What could be the silver lining in X, Y, Z? How can you still maintain, uh, you know, a healthy mental health uh, attitude within, you know, the fact that you've probably lost your job and so has your significant other and kids are home. Like, you know, that, that's what we want to be is giving people resources to just be able to get through a day. I love that it's so socially conscious and socially aware and you're talking about the things that are going on in the world now, as opposed to, like you said, you could have put out a magazine at the time that talked about heels and lipsticks, but you thought that this is not appropriate for the time and let's talk about what's going on. I love that you did that. I think that's amazing. Not a lot of magazines would do that, which is, I would think one of the things that sets your magazine apart. I love it. So with you you being in this world have you noticed a shift in the messaging happening in the media world where publications, et cetera, are being more conscious and mindful about their focus and their messaging? Well, I think that the people who were doing it consciously have nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. However, those who weren't have had to do it, whether they wanted to or not, because right. now the readers are holding publications accountable right Right. so we and and it would be um it would be uh it it would be a disservice to not acknowledge that you you know the people who you thought you were influencing are Mm -hmm. literally telling you exactly who what they want to read about and what they want to talk about and 
if you're not being aware of that, then you're just, you know, being tone deaf. Um, but the reality, the, you know, the, considering the year we've all had, um, it would be just unconscionable to think that companies in general are just not making more informed decisions about where their direction is headed in the future. Because now that things are continuing to open, I, I mean, what I see is that people are making sure, you know, is this, um, aside from obviously being COVID compliant, is that like, what is the bigger picture in this collaboration? What is the bigger picture in this scenario? Like, how are we really making an impact? And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I never thought I would like actually see it in my own lifetime. You know, I thought I would see it from certain people, but I think a lot of people are getting on board with what is happening and it's really, really powerful. It is for sure. Now, you've really built Bella Magazine and Bella Media and company into a brand empire. And I mean, you being one of five Latina women in the U.S. to helm an international magazine, which of course is Bella, that is a Mm -hmm. pretty damn incredible accomplishment. How does that feel (laughs) for you, knowing that you're one of only five in all of the U.S.? Um, I have to say that when I sat down to read like those stats, because I... the first thing is I don't take myself that seriously, which is honestly, like, I just don't, I Mm -hmm. I'm very focused on the work that is at hand, as opposed to, you know, the accolades that may come with any of it. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm not conscious, uh, like aware of it. I just don't take, like, that is not my driver. My driver has always been the impact that we can potentially make to know that I am one in five. Um, you know, I obviously would say like, I would love to see more, uh, yeah. more women at the helm of, you know, because there would be such a wider range of diversity and, and just like just more flavors and different colors to all of the content that is being put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it goes back to, and I guess that's the teacher and mother in me, you know, it, it goes back to the, the sense of responsibility that I have to just be, um, be a, be the bigger person, yeah. be socially conscious, be aware, uh, know that it's not just about me, that I am representing other Latina women who are out there, you know, pursuing whether it's a passion in editorial or design or whatever it look, may look like, you know, it at the end of the day, it carries the weight of the responsibility that you have of representation. And, um, you know, you you can fight it if you don't want it only so for such a long I always hear when people say, you know, it amazes me how when people say like, well, I really don't consider myself a role model. You are literally a role model to everything everyone that you whether you want to acknowledge it or not right um and that's something that i learned uh through my teaching career you know i had no intention of um being a role model like that Mm -hmm. was not what i set myself up to be but i knew that children were watching me and i knew that um and i had to really make a a a mental note of that you know and understand like there is an impact of everything that I do and say here, uh, with, with these young minds. And, you know, I feel like if people were more aware of that aspect of life, you know, we wouldn't have, um, I guess so many issues like we do Mm -hmm. today, but, um, that's, you know, I, I can tell you it's daunting at times. It it feels 
you know, because sometimes you don't want to be yeah. the responsible one. You just want to, <laughs> can I just be, can I just like eat the popcorn and watch, you know what I mean? Like, can I just yeah. sit here? Can I just sit here and like not be the one being yeah. the dry in the driver's seat for once? But I don't take it for granted and I don't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. I, I am very aware of the weight that it um, carries with it. And yeah. um, I just try my absolute best to do the best that I can with that responsibility. Well, that, that's all you can do. And yeah. I mean, you do your best and, and that's it, right? Yeah. I think it's great that you're so aware though, that that responsibility does lie with you because a lot of people, like you said, don't take that responsibility seriously. So, yeah. so with this in mind, then um, you had mentioned that you wish more women were, were doing what you're doing. So with mm-hmm. this in mind, what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women run businesses? Are you seeing a shift in terms of more women making the jump into entrepreneurship? And if so, why do you think that is? I think that women, I mean, the the, the awakening has been happening for a while. I mm-hmm. feel just because I have, again, consciously made the decision to just, and not to just associate myself with women. I mean, you know, you have incredible men like yourselves who are doing things that we we need more of um just because you know i feel like some men are just afraid of the fact oh no it's women you know it's yeah. women haters there was someone in my uh, community uh, somebody's husband in my community that would call uh ETT women the men haters group and i was like it has nothing to do with men hating it has everything to do with just helping women feel empowered and mm-hmm. capable and um you know for i could i to answer your question, I can only go from my own experiences yeah. and speak from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this sense of, again, the word responsibility with my household that yeah. I wanted to not just feel productive, but I wanted to uh, contribute in some way, whether mm-hmm. it be paying for a swimming lesson or it be paying for the babysitting when my husband and I decided to go out on a date night, right? right. So I was... I mean, I guess because I've been used to working my entire life, it just, this sense of, and I think that everybody who works and who has built a company just has this sense of pride uh-huh. that that brings with it, right? When you create something and then, oh my God, all of a sudden it starts to pay bills and you're like, wow. Yeah. And this is something that is dependent on me and it's mine and it. Um, not only affords us a living wage, but it gives me freedom. I can actually go pick up my son from the bus and I can sit down, you know, like the, yeah. all of these things. So I feel like people are definitely people, but women specifically want that sense of freedom and have ultimately understood that with that comes the work that it involves because right. it can sound, because I don't want I want, I don't want anybody who may be listening to think that, this just magically happened. And, um, you know, I've been able to just build an empire, which I still don't even think it's an empire, but because, but you know, it, it's work and it's yeah. every day and it is, you know, and again, it's, it, and you have to be involved. And, but again, the pros of building something that is yours of creating again, work that is not just gratifying right but it's Mm -hmm. impactful and that allows you to live a life because then what are we here to do right i 
you know, we, I mentioned earlier, it's my son's birthday. Like Mm -hmm. I am home right now with my son taking this call and I'm able to, once we get done with this, you know, go and start making him his cake. Not everyone has the, the the luxury to be able to do that. And that is something that those are the little things to be able to do things like this are my why, right? To be able to be home when they need me, to be able to take the trip if I want to or need to, you know, at the at the drop of a dime, because sometimes my job demands, you know, okay, tomorrow things shifted, we have to head to California for a shoot or whatever that may look like. But my my the work that I've done to build this, this company up to where it is has allowed me and affords me the luxury to do things like that. But it doesn't mean that it just, again, like it's every day, it's constant, it's consistency, yeah. it's at it every single day. And to your point is, I think women have realized that they have the, they have it within them also, you know, yeah. and we're looking at each other like, oh my God, she has five kids and does X, Y, Z. Okay. I have two. I mean, comparison, comparison is, is the thief of joy, but we're realizing that you can have the best of both worlds, right? right. Um, remembering that you can't have it all at once, but you can do your thing. You can have your space. You can't be a mom. You can be a wife. You can be a CEO and live a really beautiful life with all of those things, you know, as you pick and choose them. So absolutely, that's what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I had mentioned earlier on about um, your Facebook watch TV show mm-hmm. entitled life is Bella. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that came to be? So um, I'm glad you brought this up because this, we're actually releasing uh, episode two very soon. Um, the content in the magazine has, you know, a very limited lifespan right. and a lot of our articles are just so amazing and incredible. And they apply to so many different scenarios that I felt like it was time to also give that content to basically like live right on its own on the web uh, or on in, in a digital form in a way where people could just sit down and watch it. So it was another way for us to reach obviously a different set of audiences. You know, we, we have been home more than we ever thought we would be uh, over the past year. So obviously um, TV and video has just increased in consumption. So what I decided to do was like, why not create a digital, you know, a video form of the articles that we have. And some of them have like exclusive, exclusive content. And the interviews go a little bit more in depth with our talent and whatnot, but that's how ultimately it came to be. It was another way for just to give our um, content more legs Mm -hmm. and it has been so well received I mean I I can't stress enough how incredibly talented my team is and they just you know also shine not just on paper but they also shine on video so it was a really fun way to uh, bring the content to people in a different way and um, I'm excited that it's out and it's it's been working really well very cool how yeah. often will you be releasing episodes then you said you're coming uh, up on every, your second yeah so every other month so okay. we release the first episode in conjunction to obviously a reinvention issue mm-hmm. uh, incredibly we were able to with 
the pushing the release of the show, we were able to like sell out of that issue because again, so, it comes with with marketing, you know, pluses that you're not accounting for because I did not ex- anticipate that happening. However, it did, and so every other month, once the issue is out, a month later, the video comes out, the okay. actual episode comes out. So mm-hmm. it gives us, you know four or five weeks to work with in between yeah. one episode and the other. Yes. So people can just hop on Facebook and, and search um, Life yeah. is Bella. Okay. Correct. It's awesome. on our, it's on, and if you, if you have Facebook watch on your TV, it'll just look for Bella magazine and it'll pop right up. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Now you're also the host of Real Talk Bella podcast. Yes. <laughs> is this an interview style show or is it a solo story type show? And how long has the podcast been up and running? Um, we have 47 episodes. Wow. We launched it last year. Okay. It is an interview format. And I typically go, um, it's interview, but also it's more conversational in, the, okay. in a way that I, you know, I'll get pitched experts or topics where we just go um, no filter, no holds barred about a specific topic. <laughs> raw I believe <laughs> raw and real. I believe I in being of service. And if we're yeah. going to go there and if we're going to talk about it, then let's really talk about it. You know? So, you know, one of my favorite episodes in the past, well, I mean, I have every episode. I always yes, say my, one of my, they're oh, like I your babies. Everybody, every single episode is like my favorite episode. However, yeah. One of the most important episodes that we did have, and it actually like outperformed everything else was how to talk to your children about COVID and their mental health. And I had a panel of uh, six different psychologists and childhood, you know, experts, because of course, hello, I was going through what everybody else was going through. And it was the constant question is how do I explain this to my kid? How do I say to him, you can't go out with your friend or you can't meet? And because yeah. we've taken away as adults, we've been able to manage this as best as we possibly That's can, right. but a child doesn't understand why he can't have a birthday yeah. party. And while that may sound frivolous compared to the amount of people who have been dying through the, at, at the end of the day, this five, six, seven year old child only really will remember the fact that he couldn't have his friends over for his party. Yeah. So how do you cope with all of that? How do you explain it? How do you kind of, no- I mean, and I don't even like, I, I, I cringe at saying the word normalizing it, but this is our new normal it and is. we have had to adapt to it. Yeah, and sure. that that's the reality of it. So um, I was very proud of the fact that I was able to kind of bring all of these incredible women together to just there who ha- all happen to also be mothers and say, yeah. listen, we, we as mental health professionals are on the ex- same exact boat as everybody else is. So this is how you, and you take it one day at a time, you know, yeah. and that sounds really awesome in a podcast, but then when you have to face reality and do it yourself, right. Mm-hmm. And you have a screaming child who doesn't want to get on virtual school anymore. Like, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. So, um, and that's the reality of it. You know, it was, it, it's been real talk has been that kind of like the one, the one aspect of it where we really go in. Um, I actually have been holding back cause I curse like a sailor. Uh, but that's where I do it. <laughs> on that podcast is literally where I just really let loose and ask like difficult questions and, and have uncomfortable conversations because I, again, it's about being of service to people. And if they could listen, right. And hear 
someone else say it out loud. Probably what I was thinking doesn't make me sound so crazy in my own head. Right. Right. So um, that's really the goal of that. Okay. Yeah. Now you also co-founded the entrepreneurial think tank woman, women, and the mm-hmm. ETT Women Foundation. Can you talk to us a bit about the mission of the organization and what the inspiration was behind founding it? Sure. So the the original founder was my business partner, Lena Bar- Barbieri. So she okay. would gather in her office um, like a lunch and learn situation. It was meant to just be like a networking um, meeting every Friday with lunch. And I happened to come to a meeting and I'm very opinionated, as you have probably learned by now. <laughs> um, and I would keep interjecting and interrupting her at every meeting, not in a mean way or like a, a rude way, but just because I was I was engaged and I wanted I was still you know pushing my business out. And I was so one day we decided to just get together, meet. She offered me a partnership and said, "Listen, I think you have great ideas." The one thing that I loved about that whole collaboration was that she had the you know almost 20 plus years of experience under her belt. I was still a newbie, still a new mom, and I was still getting my feet wet. So, you know, fast forward nine years later, which we've been doing this for, ETT Women is an organization that just brings women together for collaboration, support, education. And it was a, it was a community that was lacking, especially in our area where women can just go and receive uh, business resources, right? But it's never just about the business. It's al- it always turns into how can we support you? How can we really help you, you know, take this venture into the next level and um, create relationships and even friendships, right? Like we yeah. now exchange, like now we exchange recipes, but in the beginning <laughs> it was like, what is an email server and what do I use for, you know, I only have 10 people signed up for my list and I don't even know what to do with a list. What's a list. So yeah. it was kind of like just ba- like business basics for women who were looking for that. And then okay. um, the foundation launched out of the work that we did as a group where we would just have someone who knew somebody who was going through somewhat something difficult and we wanted to really be ethical and operate out of integrity. And, you know, if we were collecting money for a specific situation, people knew, could know and, and just know that it was going to where we said it was going to go. So right. then we formally decided to launch the 501c3, which now has been in, in existence for three years. I have awesome. personally rescued nine women from domestic violence situations where they've come to live in my home until they've been able to get out and do what they needed to do to get back on their feet. But the intention of the foundation is it's not just to throw money at a problem, but it's to educate. It's to uh, really be a resource for, you know, the change or the improvement of someone's life, whether it's giving them the training that they need to go on a job interview, whether it's getting them the clothes that they need to go to the interview, to pay a bill, to, um, we had one of our uh, members who was going through cancer and quite frankly, couldn't afford groceries. So that was something that we were able to do for, you know, a few months and get her and help her get back to where she needed to be because she was dealing with a serious illness. So that's really what we do um, as an organization. Yeah. Thank you. That is incredible work. Incredible. You should be very proud for sure. (laughs) We are, we are. I mean, at, at the end of the day, this is, 
you know, like I said in the beginning, it's about just living a full life. Yeah. Um, and boy, and boy, do I live a full life. Um, <laughs> yes, I see but, but, but the reality is, you know, I, I would hope and pray that everyone, um, and I'm not going to say that every day is a good day, but uh-huh. when you have gone through so many mental health crises, like I have in my life where, you know, I, for a period, I thought that I was worthless and useless and yada, yada, yada. And that tape was like playing in my head, but to yeah. be able to wake up every day with a sense of purpose is quite literally the biggest gift that anyone could just like unwrap. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I am so grateful that I get to wake up and literally do what I love and have so much fun in the process. It doesn't come without, you know, the ups and downs, but I, I have to tell you that if I were to disappear tomorrow, I know that this is some, this is a legacy that, you know, even my children can look back upon and be proud of. So that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Beautiful. So in addition to all of this and all the hats you wear, you're an author of, of the book, five steps to fabulous choices for living beautifully inside and out. When was this written and released? Uh, the book released seven years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yes, I wrote it. It it was literally a cathartic letter to my younger self, uh, after being able to release the trauma of my childhood sexual assault. Uh It was me coming to terms with had happened with what had happened to me and forgiving that five-year-old little girl for, you know, going into the neighbor's yard when she was not supposed to, Mm -hmm. uh, because I carried that with me for many, many years. And, um, it wasn't until I was able to release that and, and, and really turn to someone who may have gone through the same thing and say, you know, you can get through this. Um, you can, you know, I, I thought for very, for many years that I would not be able to have children, get married. And not that that was like my ultimate goal was to become a mom and have kids, but it just takes a piece of, um, just like sanity away from you for a very long time. Yeah. And I, you know, I engaged in, in, in self uh, deprecating conversations in self-destructive behaviors, alcoholism and whatnot. So I am extremely proud of the fact that I was able to source, not just from a spiritual standpoint, but for, you know, relying on people and other women who helped me get through those moments and um, then now be able to turn around to someone else and say, listen, you can totally do this. You can turn your life around. It will get better. It does get better. And um, you know, you, but you can't do it alone. Uh, And this is what you can start to do today. If you really want to change whatever situation you're in. So that's the gist of it. And I just walked through the five things that I did to get myself out of that like dark place. Yeah. And how hard was that for you to sit down and actually write that book? It took me a year um, to really put the words on paper um, because I would have these conversations privately with people in my immediate circle, but obviously it takes, it takes time to Mm. understand that you are not 
the one to blame. Right. Um, again, th- that shift of risk, I felt very responsible for many years. Um, and it was eating away literally at my soul. Like it was um, because I literally believed that what had happened was my fault. Right. So, and it wasn't until, you know, I speaking with a therapist that, you know, and she one day, and I'm sure she had said this many times before, but it was just one day where she said, you do realize that you were five years old and that person was an adult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the responsibility lies in the adult, not on the child. Yeah. So um, when I was able to, and, and again, it, took me becoming a mother to really understand that right um and um you know for a while was a little crazy and kooky with my kids i wouldn't let them by themselves with any random person i still do background check that's understandable though it's (laughs) where it's coming and but i was always very like you know i had people who would judge um judgmental of just like oh but you're not doing it now i'm a little bit more i'm like well now they can talk (laughs) <laughs> and, and now they both know karate and are fully equipped to just yeah. karate chop whoever comes at them um and they're capable of calling 911 you know like if it's, yeah. it's a completely different um i was able to just cut myself some slack basically right. uh i i was holding on to a lot of that for just so many many years and it obviously wasn't serving me it wasn't serving my relationships you know it took me a very long time to actually get comfortable with a partner in life um just because I felt like I wasn't deserving of one and it you know and my husband uh god bless his soul um just because he's been incredibly patient and because I can be a lot (laughs) I can I can still be a lot but he also understood and and knew the worst parts of my story right and didn't judge me and I think that that's the one thing I think and we're not going to get into like marriage lessons here but I feel (laughs) like that is the beauty of our relationship is that we've shown each other the worst and the best parts of of ourselves and are still here holding space for each other and you know I thought that that was like my mark for a very long time. And he was like, okay. And, you know, I'm here and I'm going to support you through this and we're going to be fine and we're going to have kids and we're going to have a beautiful life. So then I was like, oh, okay. I can have that too, I guess. And um, then, you know, everything shifted. So I started just working towards improving my, continuing to improve myself and working through, you know, a lot of that darkness and, hopefully inspiring someone else who may be going through it, had gone through it, is still holding on to that um, to release it because ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't serve you. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's the, (laughs) and that sounds easier than doing it. Right. But uh, the reality is that when you are ready to take yourself there, to do yeah. the ugly crying, to do the work that it entails with dealing with the trauma, you can then move on to have just a healthier, happier life. And ultimately, I think that's what we all want. For sure. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it, it takes a lot to do the self-work and a lot of people don't like looking inside and they're scared to look inside and they don't like what they see looking back at them. So I mean, I've always said that everything, absolutely everything in life starts with self and then it just emanates out from there. So you have to be willing to put in the self-work for sure. 
no matter what it is to overcome things like what you've overcome, the, the, all that trauma, or just to overcome self-limiting beliefs. I mean, I'm not comparing the two by any means at all. Um, but every, it just goes to show that everything starts with self. You have to be able to put yeah. in the work. And, and, but, and, and to, to just, um, if add something to that, you know, uh, for me, for a long time doing the self work, I was taught to believe that it was selfish, but the reality is that if you don't have your crap together, you will never, ever be able to not just be happy, but you won't be able to make anyone else happy. And that is the ultimate like truth. When, when we hear, you know, meditation or Buddhist or, you know, looking with like, you have to look within, you have to work on yourself. You have to be happy. Um, your happiness does not rely on someone else. It relies on yourself. And that's, that's exactly um, that should be like your number one go-to wake up call source every day is, am I okay? Because if I'm not, I won't be able to make anyone okay. Or, you know, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. That's right. 100%. (laughs) Now you also sit on an advisory committee for women of color and philanthropy. Can you tell us a bit about that? So that was something really uh, exciting that fell, um, that just came through, uh, through Bella as, you know, a pitch for a story uh, probably in the middle of summer of 2020. And um, it was, you know, right after, uh, the whole um, racial divide conversation like really started. And, um, you know, I, I never, interestingly enough, I've always navigated life as Vanessa, right? I didn't label myself like a woman of color, uh, not because I didn't believe I was one. It just wasn't something that I throughout like you know on the table for like oh and by the way um no I you know it was just I was doing the work and whatnot so when this came across my inbox I was um of course I am in philanthropy I am what we call all know what a social entrepreneur so I Mm -hmm. said you know I obviously have this uh very engaged platform through Bella and my media company how can we help this organization connect the dots also. So um, it was just me reaching out to the founder, which I thought was brilliant uh, of her just bringing all of these incredible women together to just, um, again, support each other and put tremendous work out into the world. And is how can we then also be of service? And, you know, as a Latina living now in the United States, um, because again, we all process information differently. And how are we, um, you know, what are we putting forth? What are we seeing in our communities? How can we now utilize our experiences and then bring them together, share and, you know, what what worked, what didn't, uh, and then share that with the entire uh, community of woke is is a huge. It's a it's just a huge it's a huge responsibility, but it's also a tremendous body of work that we're so happy that we're able to share with anyone who is in the philanthropy space. Awesome, the work you're yeah. the, the amazing work you're doing is just it's it's never ending. There's tons yeah. of amazing things you're doing. I think it's thank a, you, thank you, incredible. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Oh, wow. 
I honestly think my resilience, I, you know, I, I really don't, it's not that I don't know how to take no for an answer. I just know that if it's a no, it's probably no right now, but it will be. So I really, I actually had a very funny conversation with someone the other day and I said, you know, I'm like a cockroach. You really can't kill me. I'll grow (laughs) legs. I'll find a way when it's something that I'm truly passionate or believe in, or something that, you know, a team member brings to the table. And I can, I can see that's just, I think that a gift that I've always had is just a vision. Like I'm able to see things before they happen, or I'm able to connect other people to opportunities and situations. Um, and like, I'll get dream, I'll have dreams and I don't mean to, you know, go off on a tangent no, about okay. being in touch of, uh, with your spiritual side, but I've just been able to see things very clearly, just like the vision I had of me working for a magazine at 13 years old. Like I had it at 13 years old. I saw myself and here I am, but that is it. Like I, if I see it and if it comes to me, whether it's in a dream or through a conversation, ultimately I see it happen. Like I I see it pan out and whether it's me connecting people to help make it happen or me executing it directly, I will always try to find a way. So um, it's like Babe Babe Ruth said, you can't beat someone who never gives up. I just don't. I, I wake up every single day with and I'm even if I don't feel like it, I still do the work. So I do it. You got to do it. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Um, I I think success is not numbers in a bank account. I think Mm -hmm. success is uh, ultimately your ability to just feel joy every day that your ability to see and to find happiness, you know, and I, and I, my husband makes makes fun of me sometimes and say, you think every day it's it's a happy day. And I'm like, ultimately, <laughs> it can be because yeah. you're just a decision away from it being it. you know a good or a bad day. Yeah. So I think that if you're able to, I, I guess, OK, to, to, to put it just plainly. If I'm able to keep my children alive every day, if they if they're still breathing by the end of the day, no broken bones, and my husband is satisfied with dinner, we're good. All right, <laughs> we're good. No, All but right. I, I I really think that's it. I mean, success is just uh, you know your ability to just live a full life. Um, and I think we we've spoke about that earlier. So. Yeah, yeah. To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? my biggest win? Uh-huh. Oh boy. That's a great question. I have to say that after purchasing the, the magazine and my kids went with me for the first time to the New York city office, their delight, like that twinkle in their eye mm-hmm. of sitting at what was my desk um and like swinging around in the chair it actually happened to me you know as a kid with my father where i saw myself in a like a executive chair i the the realization that they too understand that this is possible for them yeah is my biggest win is that they know that if they want to they can create this type of life for themselves so i 
I really am very proud of that. Um, and both my children, you know, whether they decide to get jobs or decide to create something on their own, they both know that they have the ability to do so if they want to. And that's it. Important. It's very important. Yeah. For sure. yeah. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? There have been many. I guess from a business standpoint, I can tell you hire slowly, fire quickly is one of the best ones. Um, and from a parenting standpoint, because it was the best and honestly, like the saddest at the same time is that the minute you have them is the minute you have to start to let them go. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, many parents, as I know, minded for a while try to live vicariously through yeah. their children. And it's a mistake that I've tried not to repeat. Um, yeah. You know, I've really been conscious about letting my kids be who they are within reason. <laughs> but, but allowing them to really just thrive within the, you know, the people who they are supposed yeah. to be in this world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What does the word empowerment mean to you? empowerment self-sufficiency uh i i that you can always come back to yourself to get something done uh that you're capable of it it's within you awesome yeah. we're going to do a little rapid fire section here so the next li- uh, few questions are going to be just one two three word answers okay sure how would you describe yourself in one word <laughs> I'm a badass. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's I, one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Oh my God. World peace, honestly. Okay. <laughs> yes. if, if you could teach the world one thing, what would that be? Empathy. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Girl on Fire, because it does. <laughs> <laughs> you could change one thing about the world what would you change i guess i would again just compassion to have more compassion for each other entrepreneur life is freedom my favorite way to unwind is oh my gosh on crashing on the couch with my kids for good movie or couch potatoes on the weekends (laughs) (laughs) mom life is a beautiful storm oh that's an interesting description i love that yeah the last book or podcast i listened to or read was the last book was talking to strangers from michael gladwell Okay, that that ends our our rapid fire section. (laughs) (laughs) If you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh, that one's easy just because we used to have the best conversations and that would be my father. Yeah. Yeah. My father was truly uh, always a, a wise man and we always had the best talks and I miss, I miss that desperately sometimes yeah i'm sure yeah yeah what is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books the i believe it's the five 
or the seven laws of success from, um, oh my gosh, Maxwell, John Maxwell. Okay. Yes. All right. What's the most recent investment you've made in yourself? The recent investment, I, I actually made a huge investment in my health, just like I got, I, I'm working with like a nutritionist and I'm working on my physical, mental health, like for real, for real this time. <laughs> and I no, really like for real, for real. Cause we talk about it. We do it for three months yeah, and we drop right. it, you know? Yeah. Um, but 2020 was like a, a very big wake up year for me, uh, health wise for both me and my husband, he's down 52 pounds. I'm down 37 pounds. Like we really took it, uh, to a very serious level just because we were, we both made the conscious choice to realize where we were, you know, both fit. We were like, we can't even run with our kids in the backyard. And we say we want to do these things, but we really can't. So, um, that was, and I, and, and, and it's an investment because it, it has taken away from other things that I want to do or like to do, like going out to eat and drink. Right. Right. Um, and enjoying myself in other ways that I, I really do enjoy myself, but you know, food now for me is a source of, um, it's fuel as opposed to a source of, um, comfort, mm-hmm. uh, which I used to do a lot of before, um, and I'm really excited for my family to just be on this journey together because we're doing it all together and our attitude, our entire disposition has changed since we made the shift. So um, it's exciting. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. What is your personal motto? Uh, (laughs) It's not as, I guess, um, I don't know, whatever it may sound like, but it is, it is what it is. I say that often, say that literally on a, on a, on a daily basis. It is what it is. And I believe that so fervently just because things are what they are. And sometimes we want to try to make them out to be what they aren't. And we begin to tell stories and we begin to believe stories that we're being told, but things, when we start looking at things for what they are for real, without emotion attached to those things, um, it just gets easier. (laughs) It just gets easier. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? On a, on a personal level is that I am not broken. You know, I believed that I was damaged for a very long time. Like there were, I believe that I, there was something wrong with me for many years. Um, and once I, you know, retold that story and then began to believe what was right. What really was then, uh, and calling things for what they are and calling the thing a thing, as opposed to, you know, identifying as my trauma. Um, then it just became a game changer. You know, I get asked a lot of times, cause it's a very similar question. Like, where do you source your con? Like, why are you so, con- how are you so confident? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I have no, at the end of the day, if it isn't me, it's going to be someone else. So why not me? Yeah. And, um, it, be, but I'm also very conscious and aware that it isn't about me. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. somebody has to do it. So why can't it be you? You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that at the, it, it just has to get done. 
So if it's not, and so I just jump right in. Sometimes I'm figuring it out yeah. as I'm jumping. And sometimes I have no clue, yeah. but I'll, I'll jump anyway. So yeah. um, that's just, you know, that's it for me. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, a lot of people operate that way. It's, it's, yeah. you figure it out as you go. That's how things uh-huh. work, right? I mean, you just, because if you keep waiting for the perfect time or keep waiting till you think you're ready or keep waiting till you think you know what you need to know, it'll never happen. You just got to It'll never happen. figure it out as you go. Exactly. If you could go back, Vanessa, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? You're going to be okay. Simple and to the point. I love it. Yeah. going to be okay. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said tidbits throughout this whole conversation. You know, I feel like you know, it's not about you, but it can't be done without you. Um, And quite honestly, just love on each other. At the end of the day, we're here to just help and support each other through this thing called life that is magically complicated, yet incredibly wonderful and beautiful and, and just all inspiring. And if we had enough sense to just see it as a collaborative effort, then it would just make everything so much easier. Awesome. I love that. Vanessa, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here today and share about all the hats you wear and your, your life's journey and experiences. It's been such an absolute pleasure chatting with you and I've really enjoyed this time chatting with you and I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And you are now a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for for being that and for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. It was a very enlightening conversation. And I love these types of talks. So, so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Vanessa Copps. She is the owner of Bell Media and Company based in New York. Thanks so much, Vanessa. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.